the, the Boga Honey Podcast. That's why I, I tried not to have camps on my bow. I don't have to deal with slippage or anything Shut like up. that. You just put a new string on there, you're fine. What is Boga? But seriously, that's the dumbest thing ever. It, it go, I am all about Just strap it to your pack. Really appreciate the fact that you're from Michigan and not Georgia. You don't want to be the next Mark Kenyon. No. I'm a shit show. <laughs> that's, that spot's taken. You can see how pathetic Jared's face is right now. <laughs> because that's how it looked. It was just like, is this good enough? Hey everybody, before we begin, we're going to thank a couple of sponsors that helped make this show possible. First up is Vortex Optics. We've been using their glass for a long time. Uh, everything from their binoculars, spotting scopes, rangefinders, and a new thing called Vortex Edge. Vortex Edge is their new world-class firearm training course. And they, they're going to provide courses on precision rifle, uh, pistol, a couple of military tactics, and of course, hunting and outdoors. And also, their spring and summer apparel line is dropping soon. So make sure to head over to vortex.com apparel and save yourself 20%. By using what code? BOGA20. Nice. Trophy line, tree saddles. They are a one-stop shop. Sticks, platforms, yeah, saddles. It's uh, And they just came out with a new EDP platform. It's a smaller, lighter, stronger version of the mission platform made in the U.S. It's the perfect size for us as mobile hunters. It's going to be available this April, so make sure to go and get yourself one. Save yourself 10% while you're doing it and use the code BOGAHUNTINGTL10. Don't miss any letters in that. Go check them out. If we said it once, we said it a thousand times. Arrows are the lifeblood of the archery industry. Vector arrows, vector custom arrows are the arrows that we shoot. Jared and I specifically shoot the vector HMR, the vector hammers. Hammer them. Yep. They're a four millimeter micro diameter shaft that are super strong, extremely durable. You're going to go to the website. All you have to do is input your specs and they're going to build the arrows directly for your specs. So head over to vectorcustomshop.com and they're going to hook you up. We do a lot of things on our phones. One of the things that Jared and I have found to be especially useful on our phone is our HuntWise app. It's the base. It's basically the ultimate hunting tool yep. set. Land boundaries. They've got HuntCast 2.0, where it, it's an advanced hunting forecast to give you specific times and days that are the best days to hunt. And they also provide a safe and social space for hunters, where you can post pictures, share stories. You won't get a graphic image, yeah, you know, Instagram not... cover over it. <laughs> Uncensored and unbiased. Yeah, download the HuntWise app today. You're an bow guy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, we'd fit in, right? And he's born that way. It wasn't a choice like for, it is for you, Jared. Well, not all choices are by birth. Yeah. Well, so I wanted, we wanted to talk to you, Kevin. Actually, before we even jump into it, you want to introduce like who you are? What's your uh, claim to fame? Oh, man, my claim to yeah. fame is mm-hmm. that I can balance the American dream. Uh, right now, I got a couple kids, work 55 hours a week, married keep a household together, do a podcast, Fletch your friends find arrows. time to, you know, exercise enough to not have to buy new clothes every year, mm-hmm. you know, really just trying to at. hold on to the dream and keep it, uh, keep, keep things in check. I don't never want to be the guy. My wife's into fitness, so I don't, I don't want to be that guy that has like a fit wife and a a big belly. You look like <laughs> such a loser if your wife's all fit and you got like, you just got moves. It's just a bad look, dude. Yeah. It's a bad look. You so, hate to see uh, it. You really do. 
training right now for a half marathon trail run actually i believe on your guys side of the state somewhere north of uh, the grand rapids area here in september so i'm <laughs> trying to fit all that in but so i guess my you need a, che- a cheering section you need us to it, come out and give uh, you some water or something like that play your rocky support, your support illegal supplements hmm. anything that you can uh, well, keep me you get keep P- me you from get not those collapsing PEDs laying around he, he he could probably use some. No, 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 none anymore. No, no more. Shoot, he gets so angry when he takes those. <laughs> it's not a pretty sight. So, anyways, if I had a claim to fame, I guess it would say I would say that it's uh, just being able to kind of keep things in check. And I spend a lot of time hunting. Yeah. Uh, I spend a lot of time tinkering with equipment and shooting my bow. I spend a lot of time scouting. I mean, if I had it, if I could do it my way, I would pretty much live in the forest, you know, but I fight that battle and uh, maintain a modern day household and a job and all that good stuff too. So you're not a hippie, but you like to be in the woods. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Spring scouting, uh, deer hunting in the fall. Yeah. Even this time of year, I was in the woods yesterday. Mosquitoes are obviously just horrible. Bad this year. But if you're moving, you know, you can, uh, and if you dress right, wear like some lightweight, uh, I had like a lightweight fishing yep. hoodie on yesterday, and that was money in the bank yep. with a hat and uh, some long like Wrangler four-way stretch thin hiking pants. That's, you okay, that's what Isaac was, remember, we, Second so person that... at the shoot, Isaac's like, hey man, I wore these pants for you. <laughs> <laughs> Isaac is from Vector Custom Arrows, came to our shoot, and he's wearing these pants he's been telling me about. From Walmart, he claims these Wrangler yeah. stretch pants that are like twenty bucks, twenty five bucks, twenty five. Mm-hmm. Oh, they got black, tan, like a nice like forest green, uh, and like a charcoal gray. And I, I, they're the pants I wear every day. I'm a plumber by trade, so I burn through clothing pretty good. And these yeah. things are super durable. They're lightweight. I run hot. I don't. I, you know, if I had it my way, I'd wear a pair of shorts and no shirt all the time. Be walking around with a, hey, with a bow. You in the close woods, a lot right? more deals. I think like a lot of people would be calling you to, you know, clean their pipes. If you know what I'm saying. <laughs> <laughs> it happens. It happens. The phones. Yeah, business is good. Business right. is booming. That's right. That's funny. So you uh, podcast. I mean, the way you know how I know you is I've seen some of the the film or the one of the films you put out. Um, uh, cool back kind of backcountry Michigan hunting um, and lately what I feel like has been really interesting that you've been doing is this uh, this buck series uh, everybody's posting oh. about it you want to give the background of this uh, this buck of significance in Michigan yeah we kind of doing like a multi-part dig into one of the if not the most legendary deer hunting stories of all time yeah and that's the uh, the you know, the potential would-be world record whitetail that was shot in northern Michigan by Mitch Rompola. And there's a lot of heavy opinions on both sides of it. Um, but an interesting thing is when I kind of started digging into it, the closer I got to it, the more people that I met and talked to that I personally trust. Yeah. Telling me that they know it's real and that they trust it. Now, trust is a pretty... I don't know, man. I, I've seen some uh, some very trustworthy people do some un, you know, not trusting things in the past. Yeah. So I'm I'm a skeptical for sure. Definitely less of a skeptical than when I started this. There's 
I've fielded a lot of phone calls recently that I'll be using here in the coming weeks for these coming chapters. Yeah. And uh, this thing only gets more intense and more interesting. That's it. I'm calling a break. You're calling a break? Break in the episode. This is a timeout. Timeout in the episode, and we are going to thank a couple more sponsors, so deal with it. It's no secret that I love traditional archery, and I love Bivouac Boco. Jim and Georgia, years of experience. Each bow is handcrafted, one of a kind. I've got special camo limbs that nice. they did special for me. They look awesome, and they stand the test of time, but it's looking great. shoots great. Check them out at bivouacboco.com. Wild Pursuit Wellness makes premium CBD products. It's all natural, broad-spectrum CBD, meaning that there is less than 0.0% THC. It can be ingested or used topically on the skin to help with muscle soreness or joints. We, we use it a lot after a long hike. Use promo code BOGA for 20% off at checkout. Check them out, wildpursuitwellness.com. But just for, for people who maybe don't know, uh, Get, set the stage a little bit like what what's the controversy when did this happen because this is i mean if any anybody is like thinking or, or wondering about it it's a buck that's got like donkey looking ears in the picture a giant giant antlers spread and, it, and the top of his head kind of looks funny and there's there's a lot 30, of speculation about it 30 inch spread 30 inch spread absolutely massive deer 218 inches and some change and in the early 90s this gentleman by the name of Mitch Rampola, who was already a highly decorated hunter. He had state records, existing state records in the state of Michigan, yeah, existing state records in Missouri. And he had a bunch of big deer to his name already. And then there was, you know, he was telling people he was on this big deer and then potentially he shot this big giant deer. And then there became a controversy as to whether or not it was real. There was speculation that it was from a ranch. There was speculation that he, well, he did practice taxidermy. And so there was speculation that he, you know, Frankenstein that thing together. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty much exactly. He, that he put it together. So when you look at the rack, you know, there's um, now a lot of pictures that I've seen recently. It's kind of resurfaced. People have sent me a lot of things. You know, I look at a lot of pictures and it looks goofy and weird, but I also look at a lot of those pictures and I, it's, it looks very realistic. Like there's, there's some ones that aren't as popular, like guys standing around the back of the pickup truck looking at it. Yeah. And uh, just some random shots where it looks a lot more like just like a normal northern michigan whitetail just on an excessive level sure right so and then the ear thing was a big was a uh, a big topic people were debating that because yeah the ears were flopped down that it was a sign that maybe the tendons had been cut because you know take the cape off and to manufacture it but balance with you since then so many people have sent me pictures of deer that they killed or friends or family have killed where the ears look exactly the yep. same or droopier. I've seen a buck and like so, that with, with, uh, with ears that kind of go down. I've seen that. Before. Well, I actually, it made me look back through my, uh, you know, I probably have, I had to have to have to, I have deer up at our cabin, deer in the basement, deer out here in the studio, deer in the house. I'd, I'd have to look it all over there, but I've probably killed, somewhere between 15 and 20 bucks out of Michigan. Mm-hmm. And I looked back and I had two of them 
that had distinctly like droopy ears, yep. whereas the other ones just seemed to be, you know, and I, I couldn't really, I was thinking about when I had taken the photos and this and that, I couldn't really make any difference. You know, the photos were all relatively shot after the deer were killed. Right. So, but yeah, I've seen that pattern since repeat itself. So I don't think that that now is like a, uh, is a deal breaker for, for me. Hmm. I love the story. I, I feel like it, it, it's perfect for Michigan because I don't know. It's, there's so much like tradition and history in Michigan and there's like this certain type of intrigue around hunting. Um, and it's just a great hunting story because it's shrouded in controversy, which I don't know. It was, I remember hearing about it as a kid. I do too. Constantly being talked about. I mean, for since the early nineties, we're still talking about this, this one buck, which is just, it's cool. Like I'm, I'm, it's, I don't know. I feel like things are better because of stuff like that. The coolest thing about it is whether or not it is actually true. No one aside from probably Mitch and maybe a couple other people will ever know the validity to that. I could have him on here, you know, today and have a polygraph yeah. test on him. And it, you know, for the polygraph say, yeah, he's saying the truth and people would still sure. not believe it. So people are kind of set, but the coolest thing about it is the fact that it could be reality. Yeah. And I think anybody that's spent a lot of time hunting up in Northern Michigan knows that there's where that's there's special. expansive, expansive landscapes and thick, dense cover that deer can get age on them. And when they do get age on them up there, you know, a four-year-old buck up you know just if you're up north of the gaylord area yeah. it seems like a completely different subspecies of whitetails than it does down here in southern michigan i've shot some deer down here in southern michigan that weighed over 200 pounds yeah and uh they they're they seem to be like longer deer but they just don't have this stoutness like the deer up there they're man thick. they carry weight through their shoulders their neck their yeah. face their head it's uh, it almost looks like a little bit of a different animal when you put them up next to each other. But yeah, the, a four-year-old uh, whitetail up there, and you know if if a deer's able to get six, seven years, and around the area where he potentially shot that deer, that deer would have access to ag as well. It could literally winter in you know vineyards and fruit orchards, yeah, and then uh, you know head out into uh, a bigger landscape. So. Or those Who deep knows? swamps up there. I mean, they can get go deep in those swamps, and you'll never see them. Well, that's typically what a lot of the big deer do is that they they live on the edges of those swamps, and that's where they prefer to be yeah. if they're left alone. But, you know, starting September 15th, people are up there pounding grouse, woodcock, squirrel. They're running bear dogs like crazy. Yeah. People say that Northern Michigan has a lot of hunting pressure, and I agree with that, but it's not coming from bow hunters. No. It, no, We not never in, see them up there when we go up. No. I hardly ever do. But those deer get bumped around and get pressured a lot by everybody doing everything around there. But my point was they prefer to be out on the edges of those swamps, but as soon as the pressure comes, 
yeah, they know the spots to get back into there and where they'll just, they can go about their business and basically be left alone, you know? Yeah. Yeah. You just, we've talked about this a lot Mm -hmm. in the podcast. You find like, you look at a map and if you were to identify all where people go and kind of just draw a little circle around it, you find those pockets that aren't lit up by those, those uh, dots. And that's kind of the, that's how usually I try to, to figure out where to hunt. Just where are they avoiding contact with people in what areas and, and just go hunt there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You find a couple things that they need. They typically, uh, you know, a deer, once it's a buck over a year and a half in Michigan, it wants somewhere where it can feel comfortable standing up in daylight, maybe moving around 25 yards this way, 25 yards this way where it can browse. Yeah. So whether that's just low woody brows, um, acorns, whatever, whatever, you know, I've, I've literally seen them come into like manufactured, manufactured food plots and they're just eating leaves that are falling off the trees. And yeah, so that, but as long as they have a little bit of cover, um, yeah. And I think those deer, as they get a little bit older, they just feel secure and weird spots. You know, I, everybody talks about, you know, you have to go this far and that far and in Michigan, everything's so thick. I don't, you often don't have to go that far. You just have to go somewhere different. Um, yeah. Parking lots are a big thing. I rarely, I'll park my truck at a parking lot, but I'll walk a quarter to a mile down the road and I might only be hunting 75 yards off the road, but it's like no one is hunting here yeah. because nine out of 10 guys it just seems like the tradition in Michigan is when you get to a parking lot, you just follow that the trail back yeah yeah exactly instead of going left or right but i uh i don't park my truck typically within a quarter mile of anywhere that i'm going yeah you know into into the woods i'm as if a car is coming down the road i'll jump off the road and hide behind a bush for a minute let them pass when i'm out there i definitely uh like to keep to my own yeah you kind of stay out of people's Mm -hmm. way i mean for other hunters and for other people out there um but how do you say, you know, this is tangent here, but say you're out there and you, so you, you park quarter mile, you don't ever use your car to like deter people from hunting. Like, Oh, they see a car in the parking lot. They're not going to go hunt there. I don't want them to have any clue that I've ever even been there. Okay. Yep. I asked because I want to, typically I've done the opposite where I'll park and be like, Oh, no one's going to hunt here. You know, who would hunt here? I'm already here. Um, if, and last um, year I had a lot of issues with that. Yeah. Not to cut you off, but. If that's happening, I look at it as though it's my fault and I'm not in a good enough spot. Because if these guys are finding the spot, then it's not where I want to be. It's not the spot. That's exactly kind of what we've, we've talked about that a lot. Um, last year, spots that we would think weren't accessible or very accessible, people are getting back into now where I just I hadn't seen people before, especially um, last year. Or accessing it through private land. Yeah, that was what ways. killed us too. They, we think we got this corner area and some guy from private's coming the other way where it's easy walk it took us like an hour to get out there the the long way and then he just walks right off his you know the back of his field or whatever yeah i don't have uh a lot of patience for if i feel like there's hunting pressure that's negatively affecting me i know that there's enough space yeah i mean it's obviously a lot more challenging down here in southern michigan i have limited access limited public land there's a lot more people on it yeah but when I go up north, which is what I really enjoy doing up there, you know, I'll just, uh, it's so easy to avoid people for oh, yeah. the, the most part. And if I'm not, 
then I kind of take a mental. I had a spot last year that I had a good evening. So, I mean, it was beautiful out on this rolling hills, Oak flat, the elk were out there bugling. I saw nice. a few doe. It was just this, it was like, I don't know, maybe like October 13th or something. Sure. It was beautiful. All, the only sound you could hear all night was acorns falling out of the trees Nice. and it would like echo through the whole woods. It was, it was so cool. And uh, so I was jacked to come back up here in the morning. I had seen where the deer had moved the night before. Yeah. I had a doe tag. I was up there for two days. I just wanted to bring a deer home. And so I had seen where deer had moved the night before and fed around in the acorns. You know, it's a big flat. So basically you go in there with like maybe they'll feed here or maybe they'll feed there, you know. Um, but I was going to basically hedge my bets that they were going to be back in that same spot in the morning. And so I moved that morning, like 75 yards and I was so excited. I got in there probably an hour and a half before daylight. Cause I was thinking the deer were going to feed around in there before they bedded. Mm -hmm. And then right as daylight broke, two guys yep. came trucking through. And I mean, I was literally flashing them cause I was up this, um, I was basically at the top and they came in the bottom of this big drainage. Yep. And so they could see me flashing my headlamp for like probably a hundred yards Yep, and they just proceeded to walk right <sighs> towards me. And I thought, you know, maybe they have their heads down and they're looking at their feet and they're not seeing me. And then when they got there, you know, they're like, we seen you. And I'm yeah. like, come on, man. Appreciate that. But you know what? Those guys went to exactly where the deer were the night before. I didn't know that until mm -hmm. after the fact, I thought they just walked through. Yeah. And I was like, all right, whatever it is, what it is, you know, I'm just going to sit in here mid morning. I got down, uh, didn't see any deer. And I took like three steps after I had my sticks and my stand packed on my back. And the guy's sitting like at the base of one of the oak trees, like maybe 40 yards from me. Oh shoot. Jeez. Really? Yeah. So I was like, all right, I guess that's how we're doing it. But, uh, I won't be going back to that spot just because obviously there's some local guys uh, they're They've keyed, in, keyed in on it. That's that my tree, exactly. man. What are you doing in it? You know? That's pretty much, I, I got that yeah. sense after the way I was treated that he's probably been hunting there a lot longer than I have. So it was like, whatever you yep, can have yours. it. And that's the way to just keep things nice out Simple. in the woods. Yeah. Otherwise people can, yeah, things can get ugly. So, um, you you have a podcast, the deer hunter podcast. Um, yep. Why, why do you podcast? What's the background? How'd you end up in it? What made you think people need to hear my voice? Um, it wasn't as much as that. I thought that was my thought process. It was more of, I was starting to realize how much I was learning from podcasting. Mm -hmm. And I thought if I could share what I was learning with a collective audience and then put a little different flavor on it, yep. that we would pull a little bit of a different crowd. And so that's exactly what we did. We are, we kind of already had a group of guys that got together, deer hunted all the time. We were always hanging out, having beers, sh sharing hunting stories and strategies. I mean, that's kind of what we got together to do. Yeah. So I thought, man, if I could just record that and kind of recreate part of our, like our deer camp rhetoric that we have all year, I think people would enjoy that. And to be honest with you, I was pretty interested in starting to meet some of the people throughout the hunting industry yeah. i was watching people create films i was watching people start to produce some really high quality photography and it really started to draw my eye and i was like man these people obviously love to do what i love to do so you know i i went to uh, uh an event one 
one time over on the west side of the state in Grand Rapids and sat down with uh, Mark Kenyon one night and had beers and I had a notebook and I took notes and I was like, hey, I have this thought that I was potentially going to start my own podcast. Would you be willing to? And he's like, yeah. Like, so he spent probably a good hour and a half just sitting there. We had a couple beers and he gave me basically, you know, most of the tips and pointers that I needed to get fired up. So like, it was pretty huge asset to have that uh, resource. He's been doing it a while. He knows when he's mm-hmm. a thing or two about it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he, he's the deer hunting podcast that I found out. I, I started off like a lot of people probably listening to Joe Rogan. And actually it was funny. The first Joe Rogan episode that I listened to, he had just gotten back from being in British Columbia with Brian Callen and Steven Ranella yep. on a uh, blacktail hunt. And so these guys are, you know, a three hour conversation about hunting blacktail and i'm just like all right i guess podcasts are my new favorite thing yeah this ever. is the best yeah. yeah for sure and then uh i found uh through a facebook ad when mark kenyon had uh mark drury on his yep. podcast i found that and listened to it and then i just got addicted to you know deer hunting podcasts and eventually i decided that i was gonna you know do do ours and and do do my own you know and that was five years ago a lot's changed yep since then but that's how i got started yeah it's funny and we've we kind of came about it the same way like it, for us i always felt like there was a, a selfishness about why because half of it's like now i can any of the questions that i've always wanted to know the answer to i can ask directly yeah. to the person who knows better than me because you know i like to try in the woods and i like to you know try to do well but mm-hmm. to have people on who are way better and who will probably be better hunters than i will ever be um and to pick their brain for 45 minutes uh that's sweet and so oh, yeah. you know that's that's been my favorite part about doing this i don't know about you same yeah D- ditto ditto yeah you nailed it man anything to add no hot take on that no it's fine the, the resources are yeah. outstanding the yeah. access to information the resources the amount of people that i you know, that I know and the connections with people that I now call friends and trust is, is pretty surreal to be honest with you. You know, like basically if anything happened in some state and I wanted to like get on the ground information about it, like once (laughs) this is completely off topic, but when uh, some of the big riots were happening over the summer in LA, I have a, a good buddy that, you know, he lives in LA. So it was like, that's the best way to ever get information. Yeah, no, it's going on actually ground zero and to have like a phone book full of contacts of people that you trust that are of the same moral integrity as what, what you are is such a valuable resource. You're still rocking a phone book, a phone, no black digital, digital digital phone Mm -hmm. book. Mm -hmm. No, a little black Mm -hmm. book. I think they are. The right? files are in the computer. That's yeah. right. <laughs> <laughs> They're in there. <laughs> no, that's cool. Uh, so you did, you guys, you did tack this year? Did I did. Up? I shot uh, the Boyne Mountain one, yep. How'd you do? I lost uh, two arrows. I lost an arrow out of out of 40 targets. We shot the Prime course on Friday mm-hmm. and then the Yeti course on Saturday. You shot the Yeti course, right? On Friday, yeah. With him? What uh, oh. knock time did you guys have? Uh, well, I shot the, you shot the Yeti one on Friday. Yes. I shot it on Saturday, ah, but no. on Saturday we had the last knock time. Okay. Okay. 
like uh, which was nice because it cooled off a little bit on Saturday and there was yeah. like a breeze. I mean, it was, and uh, I did it with only two guys, whereas on Friday I shot with uh, most of the crew from Prime and there ended up being eight of us. So it was a okay. slower go, you know, there's seven people shooting than you. So it was nice on Saturday. It was just me and my two cousins and we were kind of flying through. We jumped a few targets just to get ahead of some super slow groups. Yeah, there were but, so I mean, many super slow groups. There was. Are, you, are you the guy when you go out? Are you do you wear your jersey and are like are you are you that guy? Or are you more the? No, I was the only person I saw all day with my sleeves cut off my shirt. Oh, that was because <laughs> my my second question because there's that guy when you go to one and the other guy is like full decked out in camo. I thought there'd be more backpack. people like with sleeveless shirts, but. No, I, I appreciate I was wrong. that. Did you? How are you? What did you rock? I had just a t-shirt on. A, a lot of guys that go could be headed to the mountain, right? You know, in their camo some from them, the shoot. Someone was fully decked out in like Sitka gear. Some the, the guys where I was with must have like not had shirts on because they were all wearing these. I don't know if they just popped them on real quick, but they they this was their first year there, and they're like. Where are like the judges, man? Like, are they scoring the targets? Like, mm-hmm. wh- isn't this a competition? I'm like, no. I'm just trying to kill a foam deer. I'm trying to make it dead. Like a yeah. shot. He's like, oh man, I thought they'd take this more serious than this. Yeah. Like, well, some guys, this no. is like a thing. This is uh, like yeah, competition I, stuff, you know. I I wasn't gonna squander the opportunity. I mean, I I kind of on Friday. I, I mean, I'm not joking. I did cut the sleeves off my shirt on Friday because it was hot. It was yeah. hot. Like. And I run hot already. So it was like, man, you know, I had a frame pack and uh, I was just trying to, I dumped a bunch of stuff out of my, I typically don't care too much about carrying, uh, you know, weight, but no, I looked at it, it was, it was about a hundred degrees. Yeah. It was hot. And the humidity was ridiculous and there wasn't much of a breeze and the sun was pounding. I'm like, dude, I'm empty in this bag, grabbing some extra water. And we're going to get through this. And then I was like, you know, what's else is going to happen? These sleeves are coming off the shirt. Pop yes, them sir. Off. And so uh, I was kind of regretting it like halfway through because my backpack straps were rubbing, rubbing. on my shoulders. Yep. Yep. And I was like, oh, this might not end well. But uh, <laughs> I was able to adjust. I was able to uh, put more, a little more weight on my hips and loosen up my shoulder straps. And it wasn't a, it wasn't a problem. But uh, yeah, no, I mean, I was taking it, you know, fairly serious. I mean, I had you know, the pants that I would be hunting in and yeah. the boots and socks and the underwear combo. Like I want to be as comfortable as possible. Yeah. And I, I had never shot anything like this. So I was had legitimate concerns about being completely outclassed. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I did not want to lose a bunch of arrows. Yeah. I, I, the only arrows that I have are my hunting arrows and they're, they're not like super cheap burners. No. So uh, the fact that I, you know, shot two courses and i lost an arrow to a tree on friday and i shot over a uh, bedded mule deer on saturday so, not bad though and you know I, part of i know that target part of that is though for two things and I, somebody was asking me this the other day he went to our our shoot and he was wearing crocs hmm. and uh he's like yeah, everybody out here is with their uh, crispy boots, and I got my Crocs on. They're red, white, and blue. Like, they're pretty legit. <laughs> um, but I'm like, well, first of all, some people, like, you want to be, like you said, you want to be comfortable. It's pretty hot out, and a lot of times, like, your best performing gear is, like, your hunting clothes. And so people wear it. 
on the other side of things, some people are like, I'm headed out in September. You know, I want to make sure all my gear is ready to go. And this is like a fairly lifelike oh, yeah. situation. You're walking, you're, you know, carrying your stuff through, you're trying to shoot. So I, I can see it. I still yeah. wish though that they reversed the course. What does that mean? Make us hike up. First. Take the chairlift down. Oh. You know Why not mean? up and down then? No. Maybe they should make a uh, maybe they should have like one of each or whatever. Yeah. I know. Like, you, can, you could you imagine that. So like shooting that Yeti. Hey, you know what too? That would be the fast you wouldn't have the slow groups probably. Yeah, you'd weed out those guys real quick. See? I yeah. suggested it. We could make it the the you know what? We're going together. It can be the boga deer hunting. Uh, next year, no, we're d- next year. We'll do the shoot at can. We're, we've been talking about doing it at Cannonsburg. Don't, 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 don't necessarily count me in. No, he, no, he's in. No, <laughs> no you're he's in. in. You're, no, in. No, you're in. On it's the uphill one. He's, uh, you're he's in. the main event yep. and, you uh, we're all playing cash on it. me, cash me on the chair. <laughs> yeah. Well, and he's also uh, going to be fletching my arrows ahead of time. That's right. So, you yep. know, so yep. you're getting looped into a whole lot of things today. That's all right. Um, I'm flexible. Yeah, that's right. Uh, so, no, that's that's interesting. You no, know, I, I just asked because he had brought that up. He's like, I'm walking in Crocs. I'm like, well, you know, I think there are different reasons for people to be doing different things out here. Uh, but are you are you score, keeping track of score? Are you? Uh, we, on Saturday, we played Wound or Kill. Okay. Yep. So, yeah, uh, if you're in the uh, vital insert, that's a point. If you're in the foam and not in the vital insert, that's a negative point, and then a clean miss is a zero. I like that. I like that a lot. You know what game I've been playing a lot lately with my brother? Uh, hit each other's arrow. <laughs> Nobody wins. <laughs> Nobody, Nobody wins. wins. Yeah. But right. one person really loses. Because <laughs> he Do, go ahead. Yeah, uh, for that event, that wound or kill was like was it was fun. It was easy. It was perfect. Yeah. Yeah, it was an easy sell on the group. Oh yeah. yeah, it's it's easy to do. I still, like I said, I'm making a plug for hit each other's. It's the name of it. Hit each other's arrows. You shoot a lot better when you have a small. When I have another arrow to hit, I feel like I I shoot a lot better that way. Hey Oa, there's a benefit hey, to it too. I don't know if you guys are movie buffs at all, but the gangs of New York, the Bill the Butcher, all day you can just yell, "That's a kill! That's a kill. that's a wound!" <laughs> Exactly. I know exactly. It never gets old. Oh, it never gets old. If you're uh, looking for a movie quote, Jared's your guy. He's, he's a lot of times he'll quote movies to me, and I'll be like, "What are you talking about, dude?" Smiling like, yeah. Nod, you never like, know Haha. when you bring something up like that. If you know, but so I'm glad we're in a safe space. You know what? This I, is uh, a safe space. I actually wait. I did we got to make. I did it at work. Can, I, can I just do one thing before you say? Bo- the Boga podcast is officially a safe place, um, a pro safe place podcast. Mm. So you're okay. safe here. Your opinions, you know, are safe. Jared, continue. Good. Uh, I I dropped a movie quote at work today. Did you, what? Yep. So I I popped into the one of the guys' office and I go, "Hey, Slider, you stink." And he caught it. He goes, "If anyone Slider, it's you. <laughs> I'm Maverick." <laughs> you don't even get it, do you? That would be uh, Top Gun. Okay, nice. Yeah, I'm. You're. You're. Would Maverick? you have noticed? Would you have caught the no, quote? No, if I wouldn't have no. No way. Anything? I don't know movie quotes. I don't know if I just so half the time I forget I watch them. Like Laura will be like, or I'll see. I'll be like, I've never seen that movie, and she'll say, "My wife's Laura." Um, she'll say, "We we just watched that movie." Mm-hmm. So I don't know what I do during movies, but they they go right through. Zone out. Yeah. Well, there's no smart. short shortage of movies these days that can just go right through your. Yeah, through your not brain. a lot of quality. No, just a lot of quantity. A lot of quantity. Although I will say this, you can think whatever you want about me. Marvel movies. 
Oh, I'll second that. I'm a big Marvel guy, and I've been watching Loki. It's pretty good. You finally started watching it? Yeah, it's pretty good. Yeah, dude, you know, I, heard, I, I, uh, I know he's not for everybody, but it's it's a pretty good show. I heard that from somebody ran, uh, randomly that the fact that you said that just yesterday, someone was trying to sell me on that as well. So it's if, interesting if, yeah, if you're into the Marvel movies. Yeah, I would say it's a good and like they it's talk. It's like there's some debate about order versus chaos and what that mm. it's it's some good it's good stuff like i it's do not like bad. that topic so i might have to right i, I have to I, check it out i just thought it was an interesting take maybe not my take uh and obviously like anyways yeah i thought it was pretty good so mm. I, well, I you've encouraged to, me to watch it you're welcome to be honest with you uh if i have any time to watch anything i'm it's deer hunting related you i saw what? you know no i saw him you posted about what, what's that whitetail uh adrenaline adrenaline i was gonna say extreme adrenaline yeah, I saw you watch. How are those? Oh my god, he's crazy. Those guys are crazy. Yeah, you you've not watched. Uh... I've watched parts of one of the older ones. Okay. And they do it very differently, but they get on some like a lot of big deer. Yeah, you know, in the past few years, um, Matt and his last name escapes me right now, but he was a camera one of the head camera guys and field producers for Jim, Jim Shockey's yep. uh, show uncharted. Yep. And uh, Matt started filming with Jared a few years back, handful of years back and the production quality uh, went up yeah. quite a bit. Not only that, but I think Jared learned a lot from, from Matt. And I think Jared's learned a lot over doing this over the years. You could tell. Yeah. Like if you go back to the first couple DVDs versus, you know, now we're, he's 10 years into it yeah i mean the production quality has really increased but the stories and the action have always been great so you know oddly enough as uh, the only deer hunting content that i can get my wife and my six-year-old son to sit down really because it moves pretty quickly yeah and they like jared and they like chancy and they like shay they like the people and they like the characters they like the funny and the silliness of it and i do too it's very light-hearted and there's a lot going on it's uh and you know i've for 10 years watched his videos yeah so i felt like i knew jared pretty well uh yeah. and then through doing this you know i uh, met jared and we have a friendship and he actually helped produce our dvd oh cool so when we were done with our film that was one of the things we decided that we wanted to do with it was to try to put it on a disc so that it could end up in hunting camps and people would have a physical thing to hold on to versus just a, uh, you know, a digital download. Yeah. And so there's quite a bit that goes into making and producing a DVD. I can believe that there is. And thank God, uh, Jared's just an outstanding person and he volunteered, uh, we traded some favors and he volunteered his time and, uh, he took it you know, just like Jared Shuffler takes anything super serious. Yeah. You know, he's, oh, I went ahead and did this and did that, did this. You know, he's calling me. I'm out on the boat on a Sunday drinking beer, and he's behind the computer working on my DVD. That's and awesome. I'm like, God, I feel guilty, you know, but that he's just, he's wired a little differently than yeah. a lot of people as far as work ethic goes. Um, he's finally maybe starting to back off of it a little bit and live his life. I've seen him out fishing and doing some stuff with the hunting public guys here as of recently in the yeah. last phone conversation that I had with them was like, eh, he was a little more like laid back. And, uh, I don't know. He just feels good about, I think where he is with the, the business and the production and it everything. Takes a while. You got to go hard, mm -hmm. especially when you're first starting out. 
a, to make a lot work. more people. Um, he's he'll he'll talk about it here pretty pretty shortly. But he's got some exciting news coming out, and a lot more people are going to uh, probably start watching Whitetail Adrenaline before this hunting season hmm. picks up. If I had to guess, so uh, he's got some big things in the in the works here in the probably in the coming weeks. To be honest with you, you love to awesome. hear that. I gotta get I gotta it's because it's been a while, but I liked his their style it's kind of like mm-hmm. very intense a lot of fast movement and they don't just sit in a tree you know they're they're like they're doing which i like to it's more fun to watch mm-hmm. cool thing about jared is he really pays attention to what you know he's never been sponsored so he's always paid attention to what his fan base and listeners and viewers what they their feedback and what they say yeah and he caters the you know the content to that he released uh a series a few years back called the ride where it was like a little more of an in behind the scenes. It was less hunting, yep. a lot more and, and it didn't get the best feedback. And, you know, I think some guys would take that the wrong way, but Jared's like, all right, I won't do that again. Switch. More hunting, just you know? Yep. Yeah, exactly. So he cut more of that stuff out the next year and put more hunts in there. And, uh, yeah, he's just always, uh, seems like he, uh, I, I mean, if you can do something like that for, 10 years and it's not like we're in the in the heydays of dvd sales no you know that's all he's done to this point that's, is sell that's DVDs crazy and yep. work trade shows um when are we seeing the next uh deer hunter podcast video when are you coming Man. out with the next one we've been talking about it recently we kind of have the beginning stages of like the outline for the film and basically have like the companies i think in place to be able to maybe potentially get the funding to do it yeah but it's such a major operation yeah it's a lot and literally when i did that um that was my job i wasn't i didn't have employment that fall Mm -hmm. and i it wouldn't happen if you know had i had a full-time job i don't think we could have got that project completed in the way that we did yeah and so, you know, the guy, Jordan Susowitz, the producer of that film, he's a professional by all definitions, and he's come a long way, and he'll attest to this in his career since he shot that film. So, like, he does, he has zero interest in doing anything like subpar. Sure. Yeah. And so yeah, yeah. he knows the time and the resources that are going to be committed. And now that we did one, we, you know, I have a good idea of what it's going to take so the first thing is we have to figure out what we want to do with it right yeah like we did a 46 minute film yeah it was long yeah it was long and we wanted to do it that way and we weren't our thought process was different in that it was basically like this is what we want to do and we're going to do it versus this time we're like a little more organized and we're like well first thing we should figure out is what are we going to do with this? So there's been a lot of talk of doing one of the, uh, you know, either like the full draw yeah, film tour or the Badlands, mm-hmm. yeah. the Badlands film fest, which are much shorter films. Yeah. Obviously uh, I think those have maybe even like a under a 10 minute runtime. Yeah, I think so. It's, is that I what I think it there's was? a long yeah, there's and tears. a short, long and a short entry. Yeah category so we've talked about that we've also talked about making something specifically to release to youtube because we recognize right now 
that that is the most powerful means of distribution. If you want to get something out to a volume of people, yeah, you can go on uh, on some of the hunting films in there, and you know, uh, I think Donnie Vincent had one on there that might have had like over four hundred thousand downloads. Yeah, I mean that is an it's insane, insane yeah, amount of people. You know, if you have, uh, you know, a hundred thousand, it's a it's a ton. Yeah, four hundred. I think, and I'm, I could be wrong on that number, but yeah, a lot. It was a crap. I think mm-hmm. we could all it's agree it's a crap load. So if if you're a company that's uh, putting up financial resources for a film, obviously the end goal is you want viewership, right? Right. So what what means do you have by that? Most people are consuming content now digitally. Yeah. I mean, it feels crazy to talk about you know putting. 10,000 or tens of thousands of dollars into production to just release it for free. Yep. No one ever pays for content anymore. Um, but sponsors recognize the value in getting eyes and ears on their, on their products. And so companies continue to do it. And it seems to be, I mean, the, the hunting public guys are probably one of the most, if not the most successful, people in the space right now and that's all they that's where all their content goes yep is is youtube you know yeah they're huge they went and they grew fast they grew fast yep yeah those guys work real hard they're good at what they do and uh they found they found a niche and a sweet spot and they they turn content over real fast which is great Mm -hmm. and it's fun to watch it's beautiful to follow in the season when the the days that you aren't hunting yeah just popping on at work when you just need your uh deer hunting just itch, a little itch, you know, scratch. Just gets that itch, scratch man. itched. So if I were, if I were me, in say a month, and I wanted to see this video that you guys have already released, I think you released it what last year, two years ago, two years ago. Uh, our, the film, the forest. Yeah, yeah, the forest. Yep. Where can I find that? How can people find you? Maybe it's on. It's on YouTube. Okay. Right now, I actually uh, originally we didn't plan on doing that, so I have a, the disc for sales on my website, DeerHunterPodcast.com. Mm-hmm. And then actually the disc will be available potentially in Jay's uh, this coming August. And then at the Osable River Outfitters uh, up in Mayo, they built the new store and uh, we'll have a display there and have the disc for sale there. And then uh, you can go on YouTube and watch it at Deer Hunter Podcast. And it's got a 46 minute runtime. That's awesome. awesome. Well, hey, I mean, we're coming up on time um, for for people who haven't listened yet, check out the Rompola stories. Uh, they're great. Uh, they're very entertaining and like Michigan hunting history. It's as good as it gets. Um, but thank you for coming on and just, like I said, just chatting for a little while. We had, we had never met prior to this, uh, podcast no. and seen the stuff you do. And so appreciate you and the work that you put in. It's, it's a lot, but it's, um, it's very much appreciated by a lot of people. I appreciate that very much. And, uh, yeah, I know we've chatted back and forth on social media mm-hmm. here and there, and we've made some attempts maybe to meet up and get together, but everybody yeah. runs at a pretty fast pace. Yeah. But, uh, I like what, uh, the archery thing that you guys were doing. And, uh, I used to live in Grand Rapids. I know Rockford yep. well, and I really like that area. So give me a reason to come over there. Oh yeah, we can do that. I'm right we'll, here. We'll, we'll make something work. Yeah. Jared's not the reason. No, I'm not, really. not alone. <laughs> I stink too much. All right, man. Well, have a good one. Thank you so much. All right, thanks, guys. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Boga Hunting Podcast. If you guys like what you hear and want to follow along on what we're currently up to, hit that subscribe button on whatever platform you're listening on and follow us on Instagram at Boga Hunting. Join us next week. 
and we'll see you then.